the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. We had a little delay this morning. Sorry about that, but good to see all of you out there. Today is Tuesday, March the 3rd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on March 3rd, the Star-Spangled Banner became the national anthem of the United States. President Herbert Hoover signed the Congressional Resolution. Today in 1791, Congress passed a measure taxing distilled spirits. It was the first Internal Revenue Act in U.S. history. Today in 1845, Florida became the 27th state. Today in 1863, President Abraham Lincoln signed a measure creating the National Academy of Sciences. And today in 1991, Israel declared total war. That's what they called it. And it was against the militant uh, group Hamas. They, Hamas had uh, bombed a bus in Jerusalem, killed 19 people, including the bomber. That was the third such a uh, suicide attack in eight days. And Israel, as they are so apt to do, said, this is enough. And they declared, <clears throat> they declared war. And they carried it out. Ten years ago, Today, appearing before a White House audience of invited guests, many wearing white medical coats, President Barack Obama firmly rejected calls from Republicans to draft new health care uh, legislation from scratch. He said, we're not going to start over. We're just simply not going to do this. And, um, of course, that was Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act, as he called it was his signature piece of legislation. I mean, that was the big leap to the left that Barack Obama and a number of other people wanted to do to take this country toward socialism. Interestingly enough, the mandatory aspect of Obamacare was what really uh, was the linchpin of the whole thing, all thousand pages or whatever it was. But that has been fought as, as the key component in getting rid of Obamacare and writing something that is much better for the American people. And so that aspect, the mandatory aspect of the Obamacare saga, is going to be heard by the Supreme Court. They have accepted that. So they're going to be hearing that. I'm not sure what when it's on their docket, but it's going to be coming up either in this class this session or in the session that will open in the fall i think they they come back after the summer in october but it's that's an important piece of consideration all things are important that come before the supreme court but that will be a very uh, interesting and very important um, piece of consideration by the highest court in the land well governor inslee he um he talked to us yesterday he said folks should start to think about avoiding large events. He said uh, during a press conference, he said we should begin to think about avoiding large events at assemblies. And then while he said, I'm not calling for the cancellation of events, people should be prepared for that possibility and need to be 
thinking about it. I would presume that that was kind of a prompting to say this may come, so be ready for it. He said, quote, we think folks should begin to think about avoiding large events and assemblies, and we are not making a request formally right now for events to be canceled, but people should be prepared for that possibility and need to be thinking about it. He said, I'm quoting him, as this situation develops, talking about, of course, coronavirus, he said, I also have emergency authority in this regard. We are not exercising it today, but people know that we need to start thinking in these terms. I just wondered, it, I'm not often complimentary of of the governor. I mean, there just isn't much that I find to agree with policy-wise, but I think that was probably a wise statement given the circumstances. I just hope, I wonder what he's thinking about. I mean, would that be churches? Does he have the power to tell churches they can't? I don't know. But anyway, that's what he said yesterday. There is a spirit of fear in the country. There is no question, particularly Washington State, leading the nation in deaths. There's a long article in the Seattle Times this morning. I'm not going to even try to review it. I mean, it's really long. But it goes into the, it begins with, it begins with the idea, here's the opening lines to it. Seattle Times, it's a featured story. It says, the four ambulances arrived in quick succession Monday morning. Yeah, that would be yesterday. Uh, filing into the parking lot of the long-term care facility in Kirkland, that has become the focal point in the United States response to the novel, or the novel uh, coronavirus illness. And then it goes on, and it goes on and on and on and on there, and it, it tells stories of people who have come there, and the place is supposed to be closed, and they've been allowed to come in, and one thing or another. And there are some some difficulties there. I, this care facility, on the one I'm going to be just completely honest with you, this care facility has a very deep Christian commitment, and it has Christian leadership. And yet it has been in violation of, of aspects of running that, that they ought not to have been in violation of a year ago, about a, a year ago this month, March. And I have looked into that a little bit, and I, it, it's very painful. And I'm not going to say any more than that, because I think anyone listening to me knows whose side I'm on. But the Seattle Times is kind of exploiting that today and um, others are doing that as well and it's really sad it's too bad but there are there are people who are saying they've gone there and it's supposed to be closed and it's not closed they just walk in and there were other um, infractions that have more to do with hygiene and and so on a year ago so I see the media starting to exploit that a little bit that's bothersome to me on many fronts but this is certainly a time, and anyway, the story goes on and on and on and on. It, and they, they, they do their work, the media, as they always do. They set it up, and um, there's always a twist. There's always a bent to the media. I noticed the CBS affiliate in um, in Miami this morning did a long article at the TV station, longer than most TV you know, stories are usually a TV story is boy, a 32nd TV story is a fairly long one. A two minute is like an epic. 
uh, on television because they don't have a lot of time and, and they try to get the stories in. It'll get the ratings, of course. But I noticed the CBS affiliate, I think it's Channel 4 in Miami, but it's CBS affiliate. They were going off this morning um, on this whole issue of fear and how the government is creating fear, not helping us at our perilous time of need. And they had a, then they come with stories to support that, of course. I mean, that's how news works. They had this woman that they had talked to, and her husband was in a, or she had gone to see a relative, I guess, in Italy. <clears throat> and she she came back and was not feeling well. She like flu-like symptoms and so on. She went to her doctor, and she said she wanted to be tested. And she was like 30 years old. She wasn't elderly. And she was like 30 years old, and she, um, the doctor tested her, but he, he said, we can't send these this in to get you tested. We can't get any results on this, according to the Channel 4 in Miami this morning. And the lady became very upset because she was very fearful, and it chronicles this story, you know, breath by breath all the way through this thing. And the bottom line was the doctor told her that uh, she, he wanted to help her. He said, I've taken my oath and blah, blah, blah. But he said, the government is stopping me from helping you. He said, the government isn't prepared. He said, the government of, of the United States is totally unprepared. And the doctor told her this in the privacy or in the, you know, the, the meeting between doctor and patient. So she goes to the media. She's very upset. She goes to the media and talks to them and they run with this, this huge story. It'll probably be, it'll make the rounds today. I suppose other TV stations will pick up on this, particularly CBS affiliates, because that's what they do. I spent 12 years in a CBS affiliate in the news part of it. I wasn't the news guy. I did the Gary Randall program, which was about news, but it was about good news. And um, I've watched firsthand. I know how they operate. They're nice people some of them, but boy, they have an agenda and don't ever think they don't. And much more so now than when I was in that newsroom some years ago. And some of you who listen to this radio program, remember you watched that TV show and some of you were very close to it as a matter of fact. But the the media has this need to create fear and anger and anxiety because they can then direct that toward their own accomplishing their own agenda. The Bible speaks a lot about fear. In fact, Paul wrote in the last last letter he ever wrote before he would give his life for the gospel. He wrote in 2 Timothy, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I think, I think, Scripture is, scripture is, is God's word. It, it's infallible. It always applies. But I think perhaps more now than ever, we need to be reading these kinds of verses from God's word. We must not, we cannot be given over to a spirit of fear because God has empowered us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, we're told. He's given us a spirit of Love and love isn't passive, kind of compassion as formed by the left. 
But the spirit of love is God himself. God is love. And he has given us his power in the love that he has for us. The kind of love that gave us the verse John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That kind of love. And we must have a sound mind. I'll tell you, the media, they can do crazy things to your mind if you you know, immerse yourself in it too long. Sometimes you need to just take a break. One doctor said over the weekend, I, I may have mentioned it on the program yesterday. I, I don't remember. It wasn't in my notes, but it certainly got my attention. He made the statement. He said, one thing you can do in regards to this coronavirus is turn your TV off for 24 hours. He was making a statement, probably overstating, but there is that message out there that is is so gloom and doom, and yet we cannot ignore the reality. So how do we deal with it? I think a good beginning is to read God's word. Like, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. In Romans, Paul wrote to the Romans again, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, that you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We turn to God, not to sorting out all the information that we have. Should we be informed? Absolutely. This radio program is based on the fact that people need to be informed. Christians, If Christians are not informed, we're not walking where God wants us to walk. If we're just kind of bouncing along and saying, well, whatever, you know, boy, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to get involved in politics or whatever. That isn't God's will. That isn't at all what God has called us to do. We've got to be informed, but we've got to be able to handle it. And we can't handle it in our own strength when we go through times like this. Because you've got a media that owns the airwaves. Well, we actually, Satan, but we all know that, I think, if we're Christians. But they own the airwaves. They own the media. They own the message for the most part. There are some conservative um, you know, voices out there in the media. We know who they are. But for the most part, they have an agenda. And they even use issues like this coronavirus to push and advance their left-wing godless agenda. They do. And that's not just a conspiracy theory. It's well proved. And they reaffirm it every day. John wrote in chapter 4, he said, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or in God's love. So we want to look at all this stuff, and we want to be informed. We've got to be informed, but we want to look at it through the lens of a very simple truth. I say it often. But as long as God gives me life and breath, and I have someone to say it to, I will continue to say this. God is in control. No matter how uppity we get, and how accomplished we get, and how elitist we get, <laughs> there is a God, and he's in control. What happens is only allowed by God. Does God make these kinds of things happen? Does he cause these? No. But he allows 
to happen, what happens? God is in control. If we don't believe God is sovereign, then we're worshiping some idol. And I've been in too many countries of the world, the back darkest corners of the earth and the jungles and the deserts and whatever. And I've seen people worship everything from cow dung to a stick. That is not our God. God is in control. And we've got to remember that always, all the time. Michael Bloomberg was kind of put on the spot yesterday. They did a thing on Fox News. I didn't watch it, but it was, um, they, I think they call it a town hall, and they have like one guy there or one person there, a, a candidate. And um, I didn't see it, but I, I read I, I read a lot of the, of the um, text, you know, the context from what is said in a lot of these programs, because I can read in five minutes what it takes you a half an hour or an hour to, to watch. But uh, this one guy confronted Michael Bloomberg on the air, was live, and he said, how do you justify pushing for more gun control when you have an armed security detail that's likely equipped with the same firearms and magazines that you seek to ban the common citizen from owning? And then he asked this question. He said, does your life matter more than mine or my family's or these people? Well, Mike Bloomberg who is not prepared for a lot of the stuff that's being said to him now, What apparently was not prepared for this. He said, look, he said, I'd probably get over 40 or 50 threats every week, okay? Some of them are real. That just happens when you are the mayor of New York City or you are very, very wealthy, like him. And if you are campaigning for the president of the United States, you get a lot of threats. So I have a security detail, and I pay for it all myself. They are all retired police officers who are very well trained in firearms. Well, that's probably true. He probably does pay for it himself, and they probably are retired police officers. And if they are, they're very well trained in firearms. That's the point. (laughs) And that's the point this guy was trying to make. Why are you more important than us? We're not asking you to pay for our firearms to protect ourselves. We're just asking you not to take away our right or try to. It's going to be very interesting over the next few months as this whole thing plays out. New York Times ran a very interesting, very disappointing, but not surprising article yesterday. The title of the article is, let's call it Trump Virus. Trump Virus. And the subheadline under that is, if you're feeling awful, you know who to blame. <laughs> Donald Trump carried the headline. Oh, it was written under the op-ed guys. I mean, that's what they do when they want to put out a story and they don't want their own writers to do it. They find somebody that writes the article for them. Often it's people they know. The first line of the piece begins, so our coronavirus czar is going to be Mike Pence. Feeling more secure now, mockingly? I want to take a closer look for a few minutes today at this whole thing. Gail Collins, she wrote the so-called op-ed in the New York Times. She said, I know full well the importance of the presidential leadership, the vice president said as soon as he was introduced in this new role. Totally qualified, Collins said. That's why. Collins said the first criterion for every job in this administration is capacity for praising the gloriousness of our commander-in-chief. When you think of Mike Pence, Collins continued, you maybe don't think about pandemic fighter supreme. 
She says our president had been going crazy over a problem that involves both declining stock prices and germs. This is the guy, after all, who thinks shaking hands is barbaric. Well, Trump is known not to like to shake hands because he doesn't want to get germs on his hands. I mean, that's his thing. Probably a wise thing. Collins continues, and she goes on and on and on and on. She names all these people in the Trump administration and what's wrong with them, and they're not qualified and, you know, so on. I'm not going to go through all that. But anyway, she stays focused throughout this with a thread of focusing on Trump virus on that theme. What she fails to recognize is that for obvious reasons, the doctors are not saying what she's saying. She's some elitist, I guess. They seem to like her at the New York Times. Dr. Mark Siegel, professor of medicine at New York University, said over the weekend, and he said it again last night. I heard him on television. He said, I've been handling these emerging uh, contagions for more than 20 years now, and I have to tell you, I've never seen one handled better. Uh-oh. <laughs> Siegel praised the Trump administration's personnel selection for its coronavirus task force headed by <laughs> Vice President Pence. He said they've been doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. But Gail Collins and the New York Times says and millions other. I mean, they, there's people out there. There's a market for that stuff. They don't care. It's not really about sick people. It's about people on the far left trying to advance a sick worldview and its agenda. Siegel said, we're relying on China for 90% of our ingredients for pharmaceuticals. He said that hopefully will change as a result of this because we're going to end up with tremendous shortages of basic drugs, including antibiotics and blood pressure medication, if this continues much longer in Wuhan. Well, that is concerning. He said this is a wake-up call that we must make more of our pharmaceuticals here in the United States. I think most conservatives, for sure, would agree. The globalists would not. Collins, however, is more than happy to point out what's wrong with everybody except her and what's wrong with Trump's response to the virus, even though those who have been in it for more than 20 years, in, in the case of this doctor and professor, they're saying, no, 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 they're doing the right thing. To be sure, there are differing beliefs on the matter, but ironically, Collins' tirade against Trump and everyone remotely associated with him really better define her than them. There is a political aspect to this coronavirus. It's hard to pinpoint exactly where and it all started, but the political blame game over the coronavirus has proven highly contagious. <laughs> it's spreading rapidly among Democrats and some Republicans as it infects the 2020 election discourse. The New York Post, not the Times, the Post, they're generally conservative, at least moderate. They report that Chinese scientists knew about the coronavirus and its deadly effects as early as December, but were ordered by the government officials to suppress the evidence. The Post notes that, quote, in late December, several companies tested samples from sick patients in Wuhan and noticed alarming similarities between the illnesses and the 2002 SARS virus. Well, there are similarities, because coronavirus is a, is a group of viruses like SARS, like MERS, like now this one, this COVID-19 or whatever they're calling it. The researchers, researchers alerted Beijing of their findings. And on January 3rd, 
they received a gag order from China's National Health Commission with instructions to destroy the samples. Rather than hunkering down to contain the virus, Wuhan officials went ahead and had their, I'm not making this up, they had their annual potluck, this is a large city, it's what is it, several million people, they had their annual potluck dinner with 40,000 families at a potluck dinner. Now, if you grew up in church like I did, you know what potluck dinners are. I mean, if there's anything going around, you can probably get it from potluck dinner. You can get the best fried chicken and the best, oh man, I have so many memories of some of that good stuff. But anyway, you can also get their cold or their coronavirus. 40,000 families. I mean, China has imposed restrictions on how many babies you can have. But let's say, I mean, I think it's a one baby thing, or it used to be. But let's say... These 40 families were made up of husband and wife and one child. Man, that's 120,000 people. And, of course, the coronavirus was spread around. The cover-up continued. When representatives from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention visited Wuhan on January 8 of this year, where officials intentionally withheld information that hospital workers had been infected by patients, the telltale sign of the contagion became apparent to the people who were there from other places other than China. The Post says news of the virus, uh, virus's highly contagious nature didn't surface publicly until January 20. Wuhan was locked down, a mass quarantine, finally because the world knew about it and all these thousands of people were getting sick. So they had a mass quarantine ordered three days later. I wrote an article on this today, and I put a, there's a map in there. It shows where this virus is today. There, as of last night, there's 85,994 cases, 2,942 deaths, including those in Washington State, where, which is the most deaths in the only in the nation, um, in our nation. But it was first publicized in Wuhan, China, with an attempt to cover it up. It was kind of a, if you can't see it, it doesn't exist, we'll take care of it. It was that kind of a thing. But I'll tell you, American politicization of this coronavirus looks different, but it's the same spirit that drives it. Several presidential candidates are making political hay or trying to out of this serious matter. Sunday, Joe Biden accused President Trump of being ill-prepared, criticizing him for putting Vice President Pence in charge. He said he's outrageous. this is outrageous the way they proceed. This is incompetence on the part of the President of the United States. Elizabeth Warren was saying the same thing on Sunday. She said Mike Pence paid more attention to politics than science and gravely worsened a health crisis in Indiana. I can't think of a worse person to put in charge of dealing with coronavirus. This was a direct attack on Pence's pro-biblical pro-life beliefs and his beliefs on homosexuality, his biblical beliefs. That's what they're saying. That's the environment in which we live. I have more to say, but we are almost out of time, and I will continue this tomorrow. Be sure to be with me. And thank you for your support. We need your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll pick this up tomorrow because I want to continue this. I have some other things to share as well. I want to talk to you about the ship of fools. 
I think you'll get some, uh, you'll find that interesting. So be sure to be with me tomorrow. I'll see you right here. Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.